0: Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 69. An interview with Andreas Lindbergh, a.k.a. Schneider. He won the very first Counter-Strike Major with Fnatic, and then went on to play in Godsent, and most recently, Ancient. Hey guys, this is Lectro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris Jade. This is Farah. Godzilla. This is Kerrigan and you listen listening to Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The, Truth. the Truth. the Truth. the Truth. the Truth. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO podcast. Are We rushing In. Or are we doing sneaky peaky like? Before we get into this interview, we've just got some brief Counter-Strike news to crack on with. CS Summit 4 was won last night by Vitality. They beat Liquid on Nuke and Overpass, netting themselves uh, about $65,000 in cash. Zaiwoo, the 18-year-old who's been lauded as the next big French thing, got the MVP. This is very well-deserved considering how tall he's standing, not only over the other players on his team, but basically over any other French player in the scene right now. If you didn't see his 4K on Inferno against Ents in the semi-final, get yourself on Reddit now. It's a bit of a shame for Liquid, who only just broke their curse of finishing in second place recently in uh, Sydney, where they got the trophy. And uh, I think the exciting thing about this is that for a while now I've been looking at Vitality, uh, wondering whether they could perform the same way they've been performing against the top teams. And it seems like they can. Uh, Other news, I guess, from this tournament is that we had a bit of a disastrous showing from Renegades. Uh, That's probably down to the fact that Gratisfaction, the New Zealand Norpa, could not get his visa in time. Apparently he secured it now, but uh, Smooya was standing in. So perhaps these guys felt like they were treading water in practice until they got him back. I think perhaps this roster is a little more fragile than perhaps our bullishness post-major was accounting for. Dreamhack Tours happened uh, maybe a week ago now. This was won by Mouse Sports in a grand final against Valiance. This was uh, in Train and Mirage. They beat a Vanguard in the playoffs and then beat Valiance 2-0 in the grand finals. While Valiance beat a very sluggish-looking G2 in their semis when we talked about this Tournament last episode, one of the exciting things to look out for was whether or not G two had been practicing enough in their time off big tournaments. It appears that they have had not been. They were creamed by Phase. I think a few days later, online. This is a fifty thousand dollar prize pool, or fifty thousand dollars that Mouse won. Sorry, I should say for their uh, for the victory. And this is the first big tournament they've won, also since uh, the formation of this new team. Train is definitely looking like their best map, which isn't surprising because I think it's a good map for new teams because you can have a lot of autonomy on the different bomb sites. DreamHack Dallas is beginning in two days, and we've gone over the teams before. I'd say the favorites to take this out are probably Vitality at this point. They're looking very reinvigorated or very invigorated, I should say, but the reinvigoration comes, I think, by way of North because Valde, who is now in the driver's seat as the IGL, is uh, looking like he's steering this team in a good direction. FaZe actually, as I mentioned, looked better in the online matches over the past week since adding Neo, and Liquid should at least make playoffs. Um, And then you've got the always-looking Fnatic. I think the last team to look out for, if the interview with GetRight is anything to go by, the Ninjas should be making the playoffs too. But I think Vitality probably might be on a bit of a flexing upwards trajectory. Now, in terms of roster moves... Um, Gambit have put their lineup on hold until autumn in 2019. That's this year. <laughs> uh, that's the Russian autumn, too. They cited psychological compatibility as being their primary concern for this roster. Um, these guys have been in limbo for quite some time. They haven't played a, an official game, I don't think, since maybe March, perhaps, or maybe a bit earlier. Uh, the remaining players in this roster are Dosha, Mo, Mur, and Dimasik. And the Gambit Youngsters, which is their sort of academy team, will apparently continue with Axile as the stand in Axile, if you recall, was actually on Gambit for a little bit there. Gambit are ranked 58. It's a shame to see that these guys who took out the Major only two short years ago in in, uh, Krakow have uh, come unstuck so hard. Uh, what else have we got? FaZe is being sued by uh, Few, who's some sort of streamer who I'd never heard about. Um, I think the big story here is that the, this is one of the rumblings that uh, a new industry like esports eventually had to come to. They're looking to the older media industries for their standards, such as uh, talent agencies, acting agencies, literary agents and stuff. I think the big story for casual viewers of Counter-Strike is that this might be one of the things that sort of tears apart the bubble in Counter-Strike somewhat, or the bubble in esports entirely, because as the players uh, catch up, as their demands catch up to the kind of crazy salaries they've been playing uh, with, I think um, some of the VC money might be drying up. In the future, Vertigo has had some changes in the meantime uh, from the official Counter-Strike Valve employees that uh, we were complaining about how the A site, the way that worked, didn't really make for a good Vertigo game. Apparently now CTs have more chance of controlling and retaking the site, which is good because that was the uh, place where everyone seemed to be just hammering in the official games we've seen. The smokes apparently now look all the same, which is a big change to Counter-Strike. Uh, a bug that's been there since the beginning. Um, smokes, and when I say they look the same, I mean they look the same on all players in the match uh, screens, depending on their location. If their location is different, I don't know. It's. Uh, I'm sure someone can explain this a bit better. Apparently, this was a big thing, and uh, there's also been a new update to the danger zone. There's a new Battle Royale map, Sirocco. I guess it's a Moroccan-themed map. There's more ammo in the weapons. You can now respawn if your squad survives. And there's also now a new watch tab in the Counter-Strike menu where you can see what tournaments are coming up. Uh, it appears Valve have partners with H- partnered with HLTV, and so you can favorite your you know the upcoming tournaments that you want to watch, and you'll get some notifications for that. Oh, finally, in roster changes, it should be mentioned that there's been rumblings that Boomich will be uh, going to Na'Vi to replace Edward. Bumic, as you know, uh, is one of the doyens of this podcast. I think it's basically him, Guardian, Alu, um, Biali. Uh, And he's been doing great things as the IGL on Windstrike. So it could be that rather than replacing Edward, he's replacing Zeus. Or perhaps Edward and Zeus will be taken out of the roster at this same time. Anyway, that's exciting. I would love to see him on a higher level team. Let's get on with this interview with Schneider. So Andreas Lindberg, a.k.a. Schneider, <clears throat> if you are a uh, fairly new to the scene of Counter-Strike, you may not recognize him. As I said in the introduction, though, he won the first Counter-Strike Major with the team Fnatic, did some great things with Godsent, and was most recently on Ancient. He is now currently Orgless. He was not at the time of recording this podcast, but now that I'm releasing it, he is uh, a free agent once again. Uh, I believe that was due to some shuffles with Disco Doplin uh, and Plopsky, getting in Rusty B and Rusty and Freddie B. Now I guess Schneider really kind of piqued my interest in terms of talking to him when he released a twit longer uh, several months ago, where he detailed sort of some of the reasons from how he or the reasons why he went from such heights in his career to. I guess being at the state now where essentially he was creating an old organization with Pronax and perhaps now to being Orgless. The longer I will link in the show notes and some of the reasons he gave were depression and uh, accusations of doing drugs and health issues. I think it's kind of fascinating. We talk about it mostly towards the end of the podcast because I at the end of the interview, I should say, because we started with the very beginnings of his career. I thought that might be helpful just to get a full picture uh, of where he's come from. And I think even if you're not aware of the earlier teams that he played in, there's something here for everyone. Uh, Just a little caveat, he did have the flu. So there's a bit of sniffles going on. And if the uh, interview jumps about a bit, it's because my internet failed me three times. Uh, That's the internet in London. Go figure. All right, here is Andreas Lindbergh, a.k.a. Schneider. So I know you started with 1.6. How did you get into playing 1.6? Mm, it was basically like the first time I touched
1: it was I had like two older brothers and one of them were playing CS. And that's kind of the first interest I got in it. So we were playing like it was called Simpsons, the map. I was only playing that. We were trying to be the best fragger mm. out of us then. But then I did I took a break because I was playing a lot of sports when I was younger. But then I joined like a new school and like four guys were playing CS and there was one guy in in the class that was like the best in the city and whatever and my only goal was kind of to get better than him and uh, it took a few years but I think I overcome him later on so that's kind of how I got into it and then when I got better than him I was pretty good like so I could play with like other semi-pros already. So from there on, it was just continuing, I guess. Were you playing soccer at the time? Yeah, I played soccer. And then in Sweden, we have something called floorball. I don't know if you have it, but it was kind of big here. Like it's... one of the most played sports. It's like hockey, but you play it with, uh, without skates, basically.
0: So so then you went on to form SYB, Swag, Yellow and Bitches. Is that correct? With Flusher?
1: Yeah, that was at the start of CSGO, I guess.
0: How did you meet Flusher? Oh, uh,
1: think We've we've seen him like at a couple of LAN tournaments before we didn't play together at first But I think we just somehow ended up together because uh, Basically at that point in CSGO everyone was kind of lost except the uh, pros the guys that already were pros in 1.6 They kind of kept together and then it was us. So I mean, I knew Flasher from 1.6 as well I knew he was kind of good, mm-hmm. but not that good of course <laughs> so it was like nothing more than that we just ended up together
0: and were you guys friends or were you just like we're both we're all good and we don't have anywhere to play so let's play together yeah uh,
1: it's kind of the latter like we we didn't know each other that well but so and we all just wanted to play on a team that's usually how it goes in cs except for when you already like when you have a name and stuff that
0: right. is kind of different right were your parents driving you around to lands and that sort of thing?
1: I usually had to find my own way in the beginning. My parents weren't really, they weren't really positive or negative, to me playing so much because I was living at home back then as well. And I was playing like sixteen hours a day, I guess. <laughs> wow! Did they have expectations on you uh, in CS or no in life? Outside?
0: And what you were going to do with your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're not like those. Uh... <laughs> Asian parents pressure but uh, of course I had like pressure to come out of the home and get a job or get an ed- education but I, I finished school like not or like until you're 19 basically that's cool I don't know what it's called in English
0: um, so yeah I don't know what that is
1: yeah we, we call it gymnasium
0: so I'm not sure what the correct name is and did you want to go pro at this point
1: yeah that was like I always wanted to go pro since like the last one and a half year in one point six because I realized that was really, really, really good. But in one point six you it was kinda impossible to get a chance in a pro team. It was mm-hmm. like only a few that got the chance. Like Dennis, I think, and some
0: other guys. Now swag Yolo and Bitches, which is obviously a a really delicate name. Uh, you guys were the first team to ever beat Nip in an official game in CSGO, is that correct? Yeah. Pretty weird. Were those guys sort of legends to you
1: then already? Yeah, of course. Like I, I mean, I, I've been a Forest fanboy since I was maybe 12 years old, 13. So, so I was always watching his games and screaming and stuff. So, of course, they were all kind of legends. I mean, not Freiburg and Fiflarum, but I realized they were really big names in
0: source were you friends with them at that point or you didn't really know them no no i've never talked to any of them at that point so then you guys went on to become western wolves yeah uh and then that became absolute legends and these are two organizations that were around at the time that were just like yeah let's represent you
1: yeah they wanted to have names in CSGO or like Western Wolves was kinda different. We fixed that for ourselves, wrote to them and stuff. And we are really happy. And I think we only got it because we beat NIP. So right. people saw our potential hmm. like really high. And then Absolute Legends was another team that was already existing with Pronax, Neil, RDL I think, and some other guys. And then they asked me personally, Pronax did, to join them. So I actually switched teams. Yeah, while I think Western Wolf was still existing as well after I left, but I can't really remember, but it was something like that.
0: Was this the first time you'd played with Pronax? Did, did you know him already?
1: No, I actually, <laughs> we played the uh, 1.6 together once. Uh, so it was like, we were going to a tournament like really far away in Sweden, like a 12 hour drive. And we only had four people. Cause one guy like the day before he said he can't go for some stupid reason. And then one guy knew Pronax in real life, so he, and Pronax lived closer than us, so he asked Pronax, and that's how I came along, Pronax. So we played together at that LAN tournament, so I can't remember when, uh, but we actually beat, what were they called? They were really good, they were like the third best team in Sweden. Uh, I, think, I think it was Lemon Dogs back then, I'm not sure, something like that. It was like Sneal, Nico crystal and some other guys yeah right so
0: so sorry yeah no, go on
1: no go on go on. <laughs>
0: well i was gonna ask what i mean you're still playing with pronax to this day i know it's been on and off but was did that feel like an important moment for you when he called you over to uh, absolute legends
1: yeah like it was it was like the biggest motivation I've ever got because we didn't have a salary in Western Wolves and they had a one in absolute legends. So it was basically my first salary. Like it wasn't much. I think it was like 300 euro or something. But I mean, it was always something because that's what you kind of fight for as a young player.
0: 300 so, euros a month. Yeah, <laughs> so right. it
1: wasn't much, but it was still like the, the salaries weren't high at all in CSGO in the beginning. It was only an IP that like had a normal salary today. Mm. and i think they had like 1500 dollars or something and it was really high <laughs> mm. so so i mean were you were you able to practice every day at this point or
0: yeah you,
1: yeah yeah we did i think most guys were living at home so i don't think that was the that was a problem and right. then back then you you played with your hearts out kind of so it was nothing at all behind, like besides
0: cs this is the first time you played with rdl too
1: yeah that's correct
0: and he was later to become your coach at some point right
1: Yep, in Godsent. Yeah, was that was that a good relationship? Uh, with him, yeah, he's one of the nicer guys I've met uh, in esports. I think he's really open, honest, very cool guy to hang around with. But I mean, we had our fights as well,
0: <laughs> like mm. you always do in professional sports. Uh, next, you were reunited with Flusher on Epsilon. Yeah, was that's this correct? Was this him? Was this a, a matter of him calling you over?
1: Uh, no, I think it was actually him and J- JW because I had like I've been in contact with them a lot and our Absolute Legends project didn't really work out and then they had like one open slot in Epsilon and I don't remember who asked me but I think it was JW so I went to them instead and we went to Copenhagen Games I think and a bit other stuff I was Copenhagen Games and one other small Swedish tournament but we still placed really good for being new I think we beat Pasha and them um, on playing Games and we got a name for ourselves. Like, it was really close wins. I think we did, like, three 16-14 wins against some good teams. Mm. And we also came second or even won the Swedish land.
0: Yeah, I think you won it. So, you guys were there for six months, which was a lot longer than Absolute Legends, which I think was about a month. Yeah. Um, it was a much better experience, I assume.
1: Yeah, it was. Because in that team, we were five kind of no-namers at the time. Like, no one... No one was who we are today, like J.W. Flasha, uh, etc. So it was a really sick feeling playing that well together.
0: What was J.W. like? Had you played with him before?
1: Uh, not really. I don't remember. Oh yeah, I did actually. In 1.6, I played kind of a lot for a while with J.W. and another guy. So I knew him from before, but we also we have like the weirdest relationship me and J.W. Because <clears throat> I think we actually we always liked each other but we always hated each other so we had we if someone that i fought a lot with i would say jw but also if someone that i want to say is a nice and like funny guy and a hard worker that's him as well so
0: yeah because i saw around the time or or maybe it was prior to this in 1.6 you guys were calling each other out as cheaters is that was that just a hltv (laughs) nonsense that was true
1: Nah, I mean, I cheated in 1.6, so <laughs> from his part, it was kind of true, I guess, but uh, nah I can't remember <laughs> going back now. I don't think he cheated, but uh, if you remember all those videos, it was kind of, hmm. it was kind of sketchy though, but I think everyone thought he cheated back then. It was like in the beginning of CSGO and they were meeting, I think it was Virtus Pro, and there uh, it was like some clips of him on, some weird map that i can't even remember and they beat them and it was all over the internet basically so it's probably from there i got it
0: but i don't think he cheated right so you were just giving him a hard time yeah (laughs) do you think a lot of people were cheating back in 1.6 that we don't know about no i really i
1: really don't think like people haven't cheated that much as the community wants it to sound like Mm. it's only a small portion and most of us that actually did it for a short amount of time or whatever we got busted anyway. so that's probably the true part of it
0: uh so well next up was how most people would know you from the scene you joined Fnatic. this was a pretty momentous part of your career you guys won the very first major dreamhack winter 2013 this was this was not the lineup that you started fanatic with right you had moddy at the start and then he was replaced by pronax which seemed to turn the team around
1: yeah that was that was probably like the biggest factor in all of our careers i guess like there was nothing wrong with modi he was he was like he was our idol basically everyone loved him from 1.6 and also in cs go he was uh, shooting really hard and uh, we asked him first to join us and i mean we played good like really good still i think we, we were kind of like top five or something top five top six with him but i can't really remember why but i think we all just felt that pronax was a better fit for us because we were so new to the game still even though we had like tremendous skill we there were so many parts that we didn't know that Modi kind of couldn't teach us because he was like he was a better player than us and knew more but he couldn't learn us what pronax could like teach us faster something like that so and then we just went with Pronax, even though it was nothing wrong with Modi.
0: So it was like a matter of, of like Pronax being on your level, so you could kind of... It was all fresh to him as well, in a way.
1: Uh, no, like Pronax, were, he's been an in-game leader for we don't even know how long. And we we were four guys that are just insane at the game. But we have no real knowledge of teams, yes. Because like, if people actually watched our games, when we beat a lot of good teams, we are kind of just running around. could do the same stupid thing 15 rounds in a row, but it would work because we had the skill for it. Mm. But that's not really how you get consistently good, of course, and you would never see that in CSGO today. Yeah. So it was basically just that he needed to teach us how to properly work the map as T and how to set up tactics and what to think about Mm. because we we really had no clue at all.
0: And how did it feel winning DreamHack Winter 2013? You guys were not the expected victors. I mean... had a good run in terms of some good pair ups and then you beat the number one team at the time
1: yeah it was still to this day it's one of the best memories in, i guess all of our lives especially mine since i haven't won as much as the other guys i won now but it was it was just amazing uh going there like we didn't have of course we had expectations but i don't think anyone would see themselves winning the first major like that but Mm. we started so good and we practiced really hard for it of course. I remember us pracking it was very serious. Like even compared to now, I think it's kinda hard to find that team chemistry where you just all all five just wanna get better and better and better from each prack. Uh so like half through the tournament, like when we made quit or like finished the group stage and we I think we came first. And then we just knew that if we kept this up, we could go really far, except for like NIP and we were kind of standing out. So was kind of happy to not meet them until the final, one of them.
0: Yeah, you didn't meet Vari games, which do you think you would have beaten them?
1: Yeah, I think we would have, but that's kind of hard to say because we played them one week earlier in the finals of MSI beat it. In China, and we played like 16, 13, 16, 12 or something. But I think Shocks had like 70 frags or something. <laughs> so it's kind of <laughs> it was kind of rough. But I think we could have beat them too as well. Hmm. But I remember we met some uh, like some Frenchies first with Kenias, I think. That was actually the hardest game I think of the whole tournament, because they were actually leading at the last map or something. And we made a nice comeback versus them. And then we met. I don't remember their name if it was Cloud9 or Liquid. It was complexity.
0: It,
1: yeah, complexity and was like nothing swag, mm. etc. And we knew that they were really good tactically. So if we played the slower system, it wouldn't be fun. So that's actually that's actually a funny game to think back of because what we did that game and it was like a semifinal, right, of mm. the major. We just uh, watched some demos before and we said, okay, so we have to. We have to get into their faces, guys, no matter what, so I think we're, we were probably death matching half part of the game, <laughs> and I think we wrecked them really hard, so the game plan worked, but still kind of YOLO, but that's also like, that was our strongest point in our careers at that time, because we were shooting so hard. So we didn't really need to think that much and I mean Pronax said yes to it so it all worked out.
0: I wanted to know what practice was like in, in those days because we hear a lot about Astralis and their sort of sports oriented really heavily targeted practice. How did you guys practice? Did you just scrim or were you working on individual like parts at a time for like three hours?
1: Um, uh, it was basically like with the team it was scrimming but at that time like you were so young and I think... Uh, Maybe even everyone lived at home, so it's really different there because uh, your parents bring you food and whatnot, you know, you could always, like, get stuff from the fridge. It's a lot easier. So, like, I remember we were probably playing, like, eight hours of team practice, like, scrims and walkthrough, and then you also, like, you would instantly go after practice, you would play yourself or like even the whole team kind of together but or at least like four guys and you would play like face it or whatever until you fall asleep and then you do the same next day so uh, the individual training i think you got it so easily because you were always playing like you were living and breathing cs so your individual peak was always like at the highest kind of because you were playing so much and that's kind of different from today i think Even though nobody talks about it like a lot of pros like there's obviously a lot of money on it and some guys still play a lot but back then I think everyone played a lot and you could see it on the individual level I think people were hitting nastier shots back then than they do now except for
0: some people you mean you think they don't practice as much
1: no no they don't like maybe once or twice a year for an important tournament if they did like a
0: big roster
1: change or something then people do it but not in the same extent as now. I mean, like, the older pros, maybe the new guys, like Sivo and those guys. It's kind of new to them still, so I guess they they play a lot, I guess. But all other pros, I don't think we play as much. I don't think we need to play as much either, because you can rely on so much other factors than just shooting hard. But it was completely different back then, I think.
0: Can you explain to me why Devil Walk pulled his pants down when he won the major?
1: I actually have Oh, wait. I think it was something like... Some big upvoted Reddit comment or something, <sighs> uh, like doing that challenge or something. And then I think he just lost his uh, mind when we won. <laughs>
0: so Then you were kicked from Fnatic with Devil Walk moving to Coach. And this was for Crims, right?
1: Yeah, Crims and Olaf.
0: Crims and Olaf. Those guys went on to win two majors. And I know you've opened up before about how that felt. Uh, yeah, kind mean... of been good. <clears throat>
1: no, it was like watching back now. It's not really a big deal honestly i deserve that kick a lot <laughs> but that's not what you think when it just happened and you're you're that like i was a completely different person back then than i am now so like looking back at it it was really logical because in the end of Fnatic, i was really i know i was really good but uh my work ethic was kind of shit because i was running around thinking i'm better than or like there's nothing i can do better right now like you know that kind of mindset so I was always like saying if we started fighting and lo- losing games I would say that <laughs> me and Flash I weren't doing mistakes so you you other three guys need to look at yourself stuff like that so it's basically really toxic from time to time even though I'm not a toxic guy I've never been but I realized that was like a really toxic mindset so uh,
0: of course there was no other option than uh, kicking me back then so that's it that sounds like arrogance right
1: yeah kind of arrogance
0: And arrogance, uh, I've heard, is is sort of predicated on fear. So if you're afraid of admitting something about yourself, some sort of truth, then it projects itself as arrogance. so to push people away.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be, but I don't think uh, it wasn't like that. But I I really, I know what you mean. But I don't think it was like that at that time. It was just pure arrogance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You weren't afraid of, of,
1: of, of being found out. No, no, no. Like, no. so I remember I was playing so good, like every game. It's easy to think, like, and we just won the major and stuff like that. Uh, so it was kind of hard to look at yourself as stuff you could do better.
0: Well, well, if you look at your teammates, like, how come, for instance, you were doing that and maybe J. W. or Flusher weren't?
1: Uh, I don't know. Actually, uh, it's kind of weird how it became like that, and it's kind of like. I can't even explain it today, because it's so far away from the person I am today. Like, There's always stuff you need to work on, hmm. always, but I don't know. Always been that kind of guy, because I was really good in sports as well. <clears throat> like, really, really good at floorball, for example. Uh, and As soon as I get like really confident, let's say I have like 10 good games in a row, uh, it's kind of easy to get like that. Like, it wouldn't happen today, but back then I was that kind of guy that I would like motivate motivate me like, by saying that I'm the best, I'm the best, and whatnot
0: all the time. It sounds like you hadn't had any failures in life until, up until that point. Like it had just been... No,
1: no, that's actually true.
0: It was just like
1: that. Like I was always getting in the best team or well, like in the best part of the team when I was playing real sports and stuff like that. I uh, always had a lot of talent, but I was also working hard. I don't know I just loved it so it mm. was nothing more than that and then kind of after Fnatic everything came at once so I didn't really have a setback in my life kinda so it was kind of easy to be confident because everything was always going my way mm. like with relationships or uh, basically everything
0: that was important to me so this is why it was such a big thing for you at the time because it was like the first sort of thing that didn't go right
1: yeah no it was kind of weird and like back then I I really couldn't see why I was kicked but looking back at it I would have kicked me
0: so <laughs> it's kind of simple. Next up was Flipside. This is their second Swedish Swedish squad. Um and you guys were picked up by Property after that. This only lasted about 6 months. In their statement they said you just guys you guys just had poor results but you and JW seem to be doing all right and it seemed to start better than it ended. What happened there?
1: I don't know. Like that that part of my career is kind of so weird and uh It's not really much to say, because it's kind of obvious right now, I already said it myself. At that time, I was caught doing drugs in Sweden, so I had uh, a lot of problems uh, for a short time. I mean, I I wasn't a drug addict or anything, but I was partying after Fnatic and got caught. So I had like visa issues, or not visa issues, but I knew that I had to get a visa uh, to go legally to the US. And it was kind of hard to get and uh, like that whole part i think it was like two years of my career like flip side 2017 and stuff i had to say no to so many offers i think after that i had like nip wanted to trial me i had a Offer from Mouseports ports to get a contract there and also some other big names and it was also like at my peak So who knows what it would have looked like back then if I could have sent yes to them But I would kind of had to float around like in teams like flip side and shit yeah. Just because I couldn't say yes to teams that I really wanted to join because of the visa issues So uh, I can't really recall much from that period more than that. I wasn't feeling so good like even though I was good individually I I had to like stay with really bad teams. What sort of drugs were you doing
0: and who caught you?
1: Uh, So I was hanging out with the like not so good people
0: Mm. And
1: it was like nothing more. I just did weed kind of and some like antidepressant pills uh, So it was nothing special like it wasn't any hardcore stuff and like getting caught It was like hanging out with the wrong people. So they had probably had the cops on them or something So it's nothing more than that Uh, But it was like it's really blown up because people don't really talk about drugs because most people like sit at home and they expect like computer geeks not in a bad way but people that play computer all day and in relationship to drugs it sounded worse than it was because I didn't really do it a lot not at all but it was so new to everyone so it kind of sounded like I was some badass criminal that didn't give a fuck (laughs) but of course I did so it really destroyed my life kind of getting caught but also like it got fixed in the end so it's fine refresh helped me get a 10-year visa to the US and other stuff so it's now it's no problem anymore but it's kind of weird because you you don't know if you missed your peak even though I think I've always been good it's kind of hard to say if I would have been able to say yes to nip or mouseports or whatever and keep rolling on that uh, confidence how far i could have like came
0: right I'm, I'm sorry to go back to this but it's just been really confusing as a observer like you you were stealing your mum's antidepressants
1: yeah like it sounds like I did it a lot but it was kinda only once
0: but it also doesn't sound like a criminal offense
1: uh, it is like Sweden is really poor shit with uh, everything that has to do with drugs like I don't think weed is uh I I don't do it I haven't done it for like five years but I really feel like it's so shit that like it's so, such a mild drug compared to like alcohol or cocaine or whatever so it's kind of weird like the I got like this uh, people saw me as some full drug addict because I was like smoking weed three or four times in my life and Like stealing some pills like honestly, it's not good. But in the end Is it really that bad that it could like fuck up my whole career? Basically, so so you got
0: life. a you got a police record basically and that meant you couldn't get an Esther for the state Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah
0: and then later on, refresh it helped you get a B ten or a B two visa. Was that a B one B two? I think it's a B two. Okay, well let's just go. Let's just jump back to uh, Leet one three three seven because um, there's a little story there that I'm confused about. Uh, you guys were the ESL one Cologne qualifier, and a couple of you went on holiday, including you, and they brought in some stand ins, and then decided to stick with the stand ins when they qualified and property. Represented them again.
1: I can't really remember, but it was something like that,
0: yeah. It just sounds like a total mess.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. No, I was I was going to Thailand with my ex back then, and we planned it for like half a year, and everyone knew that I had to go, kinda. And then uh, like one week before I was going to Thailand. They announced like some big tournament, I don't remember if it was the major qualifier or something and I just said I can't go guys because I I already put so much money into it Uh, and back then I didn't really have that much money so it was kind of a big deal and they said yeah we understand, it's fine, blah blah blah, not much to do and then they just decided to play with some other guys and I think it went pretty good for them. Then uh, they told me I was kicked while I was in Thailand or something so it was like nothing more than that.
0: All right, that sounds like a great holiday to be on.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've always been really unlucky with that, all those timings and stuff.
0: So then you had this opportunity to join Dignitas as the only non-Norwegian player. That was with Pimp, Kirby, AZ, Nico and MSL. A
1: Danish player, you mean, yeah?
0: A Danish player, sorry, yeah. um, And that lasted a month as well.
1: Yeah, and I think you can guess why. <laughs> so is... basically, it was one of those offers that are really good. And I know I played really good with them. Uh, I think it was an instant improvement. from They played with Nico before me and they had failed to qualify to the majors or even the major qualifiers like two or three times. And then I joined them and we clicked kind of good. We are working hard and we qualified to the major qualifier and also to the major with me kind of instantly. So it was kind of instant results, but it was the same there basically. After the major qualifier we had like a tournament in the u.s. And obviously I lied to them because at that point I was so desperate to keep playing professionally So I lied to them I lied to Pimp he even asked me like i heard you had a criminal record and I said no, it's fine Don't worry, but in then it wasn't fine. So uh, In then they found out from uh, the Dignitas owner Odie because I told him in uh, like very secretly and he said he would help me and don't worry the team won't know anything And i will do everything in my power to help you fix this because i think you're a great player and a good fit for us and then it was like three days later or something he they had told the team like all about me so i was kind of instantly kicked i think it was like two days before the u.s tournament and like five days from the major or something so it's really rough but i also understand it like no no hate towards them because i in the end i lied even though we were a good team it's kind of sad but that's kind of how it was
0: there is a there is a stream i think it was uh, or a video with thorn where pimp said you should be thankful that they never released info on what you did.
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of also blown up because uh, all the info is there now. So I don't think that's kind of that's kind of rubbish to say. Like even though I respect that they didn't say anything, but I know they some guys did. They said told like kind of big people in private, but I I respect that as well. Like it's it's big news for a lot of people, even though I don't think it's such a big deal. Uh, like. And it got really blown out of proportion because I remember hearing, like it was only like two three years ago, <clears throat> like the, the rumors were so far away. That's why I had to tell the truth basically in the end, like in open, because people were talking behind my back about it so much. And it escalated from being weed, <laughs> as it is, uh, to like that I'm a full hardcore uh, cocaine addict, like doing cocaine at home, like basically every day for years. So that that was kind of. Why I decided to tell the truth about it because it was so blown blown out of proportion.
0: Right, the, the the fiction was much crazier than the actual truth.
1: Yeah, and the, uh, like hearing that for many years, like <laughs> had like people in practice. If I did like some uh, weird round like one v four because I was playing retarded, people would write to me in like in the chat like professional players. They would write to me like, "Oh, you did heroin again or something." So it was kind of wasn't kind of always wasn't always sunshine and rainbows for me, so I realized those rumors
0: were around me so they thought it was funny and it was actually really distressing yeah yeah that was really stressful do you, do you blame Odie for for breaking your trust that way or do you think he did the right thing
1: uh no I think it's completely wrong like if anything he could have <coughs> just been honest to me and even if he wasn't he could have just taken my story realized okay I can't help him so let's uh, remove it because I mean It's the way he said it basically like he said you can trust me blah 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 so I didn't open up fully from the start but I said I have something I want to talk to you blah 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 and he said you have my full honesty that I won't say anything to anyone and blah 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 two days later he says everything kind of and like he could have done it so many different ways he could have told me that I have to tell them that would have been better because it's always nicer to tell your own story. Than people saying it for you and like other stuff. So no, I, th- I don't think I don't think it was right of him. But I don't I realize like it's it's easy that those stuff happen. So can't really blame him too much for that. It's just the way it went down.
0: Are you still in touch with him and those guys? <laughs> with Odie <laughs>
1: No, 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 no. No, uh, he do- he doesn't really like me. We had a really big fight. I even had to bring a lawyer against him. So it was kind of funny. I don't know how much I can share, but it was kind of funny because I had to get my lawyer to get some of my money that I won with Dignitas and also the salaries because he wanted to uh, get me to sign a paper uh, where I accept that I get absolutely zero of anything. And That's kind of messed up, of course. So I wasn't having that. And I was lucky to have like a lawyer friend in London. So uh, he started creating emails for me towards Odie. Uh, like, really long ones. And Odie actually is kind of funny because Odie thought I was like trolling and writing those uh, emails myself. Mm. <laughs> so he was always fighting against it. Uh, so it took like a few emails before Odie actually realized that, okay, it's a lawyer speaking for real. And then it ended up with Odie wanted to go on a call with me. Uh, so you can't like keep track of what everything is said. He wanted to like strike a deal uh, privately with me. Uh, so my lawyer said no to that and in the end law, like he had to pay at least like some salaries some price money and also I think it was like 10% of uh, the sticker money because uh, I qualified with the, to the major with Dignitas but my sticker got replaced with Tenski uh, even though I qualified so I think I got like 10% of Tenski's uh, sticker money or something I don't, don't remember anymore
0: was that was that contract supposed to be in exchange for him not telling the team your secret?
1: No, 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 that was or what contract?
0: Well, this thing he was trying to get you to sign that gave you zero money and zero sticker money. No,
1: that was like the, it's called like a contract termination deal or something. Yeah,
0: right. It wasn't wasn't blackmail.
1: Uh, I mean <laughs> it's kind of blackmailing, uh, but I mean it, it's blackmailing in a legal way. So we he basically he made creates the worst termination contract ever and hopes that I sign it just because he he said like that or like he expects me to sign it because he knows everything about me. So uh, He was kind of hoping that I would sign it and that we would leave peacefully But right. uh, I mean I, in... I couldn't back at the time because it was
0: a lot of money for me back then As in the other option was the company would sue you for a breach of trust. Yeah, uh, something like that <clears throat> Do this sounds like a lot of fun? <laughs>
1: Uh, no, it wasn't like all of these things have been really rough. On I'm being
0: sarcastic, mate. <laughs> it sounds terrible. Yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> but, like, now nah, it's kind of rough. And i honestly, I don't even know why I'm still playing. Like, I've been so uh, mistreated over the years, but I mean, I still love this game. So, I can't really stop. And now it's completely different because I don't have any issues anymore. But it's kind of weird, like, thinking back, uh knowing that you could have been, like, one of the big names, like JW or Flasha, as I still think. I was at the same level as them, but I couldn't really continue, so I had to like float around for two years in those lesser
0: teams. Just, just jump back. I'm sorry to just drag more of this out, uh, and let me know if you want to kind of skip through it. But we had Hellraisers, a little quick stand-in with Angel and Stiko. That was a very quick turnaround as well. Is there anything to say about that?
1: That was actually nothing like that at all. Uh, It was just, uh, they were actually an awesome team to play with. Like, they were really funny. I respect Angel a lot. He's like a hard worker and he's really smart. Probably one of the best in-game leaders in CSGO, even now and back then as well.
0: He's a funny guy too.
1: Yeah, he is. And I liked them a lot. It was nothing at all like that. It was just that I joined them, signed a contract with them. And I actually liked them a lot, and I think they liked me, so it was no problem at all. But then, uh, all of a sudden, Pronex and Twist reached out to me and said they wanted to create, uh, yeah, not GodSend, but uh, that's the start of GodSend, basically. And I hadn't played with Swedish people uh, for a long time, I think. So it was just an easy decision for me that I wanted to play with Pronax Uh, again, I like those guys, because it felt like a better fit for me, and it was. Obviously, because we
0: ended up going doing pretty well, yeah, so you guys were ancient and then you became godsend. did you actually own part of this quote unquote player created team? No,
1: we didn't like it was talks about it, but in the end no one no one ever owned anything of
0: Godsent except like pronax and the other guy that owned it right, so it was it was created by only a couple of the players, <laughs> one of the players yeah. right, so you guys actually. <clears throat> did quite well. You were hovering around sort of third and fourth for a lot of events and the org kept going and you had a pretty good, a pretty damn good showing, especially towards the beginning of God Sent. Uh, And I know you've said this was like some of the greatest times of your career. Yeah, it was. Then, it was really, really,
1: on. really the best time of my life because obviously, as you've heard, uh, before going up to this, my life wasn't really <laughs> that uh, pretty until this point, so... It was really nice for me like actually for the first time in i think it was like three years that i could like uh, fall back a bit and breathe and just play cs and don't think about stuff you know and uh, it was really stressful going up to this and it was so nice like being one of the best performers in the world at that time getting just to play and not do anything else like stress about things because they pronax and them, they knew about my issues and they were actually genuinely trying to help me with it, like Pronax and the other godsent owner. So it was really nice. Like I got the help that I needed at the same time that I was playing for a good team.
0: Um, at the time, you said you were diagnosed at some point here with high blood pressure from by doctors and you had insomnia and stress. Yeah, that
1: was that was at the end of the first godsent iteration, kind of. Like, because uh, more and more pressure, like we were getting better and better. And also, like, there were becoming more pressure on me getting my visa, because in the beginning of Godsend, we had an offer to go to Immortals, I think. Uh, and then you obviously had to live in the US, and my visa wasn't ready. So the team were kind of disappointed by them because Immortals is a really sick organization with good people behind it. But they said no to Immortals because of me. So I obviously started feeling a lot of pressure because of it. Like, I realized that if I was in their seat, I would have wanted to join immortals as well back then uh so it was like kind of building up towards me and in the end i could not even sleep at night basically because i was just thinking okay what if what if this doesn't work out what if this doesn't work out and blah 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 so I was sleeping like three hours a night before I got some, uh, I got some kind of strong sleeping pills from the doctor because my blood pressure was like a 50-year-old woman in her climax or whatever it's called. So they were just laughing at the doctors saying, "Menopause." What have you done? Menopause. Yeah, climax yeah. is a very different thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry for my English. That's
0: alright. You should just know the difference between those because it might get you in hot water. Sorry. <laughs> it's all
1: good. Uh, so I got that, and at the same time, uh, J.W. and Flusha I uh, was kind of tired of Natic back then, so we did that, we did that uh, mesh together. And my visa still wasn't cleared, so uh, my sleeping issues was kind of there, and I didn't feel so good. I was just kind of having my fingers crossed that it would work out, and it did. But it's still very stressful because you don't know if it's going to work out. So. I was playing really shit with the first tournament i was like i think i played like some of the best cs i've ever played uh, before we did this, this godsend swap i remember i was always like very consistent consistently good and so i was really high in high spirits of myself again going into this jw Flasher godsend project but i remember i these sleeping pills were so strong but i still took them like i said i didn't think at that time you don't really know it's kind of it takes a while to pinpoint okay what's what's making me not uh, perform as good as usual and the first thing i like uh, put my finger on wasn't the medicine Uh, so i told myself that i was really nervous because of this big project and uh, i just have to relax and stuff but in the end it was kind of obvious those sleeping pills really messed me up like even the day after so i was taking them at tournaments and like the day after I would be my body would be really weird like I would feel like not hangover like kind of hungover kind of my blood pressure was kind of weird and stuff so it was just really weird Uh, so I was playing really shit I think it was two or three tournaments and it's kind of sad because it was the beginning with them and they had really high high expectations that we didn't reach so at the point when I stopped taking them I got instantly better again I think it was at the minor or up Torland before the minor I started playing well again and then at the minor I played really good uh, and also at the major qualifier but at that point it was really already too late because uh, I think it was JW was the most disappointed because they went from a top one fanatic to mm-hmm. A really shaky godsend so even we even though we started doing a lot better when I was uh, also like performing as I should we, we went like 3-0 at the uh, major qualifier we won the minor so it's kind of good there already but uh, they they kind of made up their mind already that this project wouldn't work out so it was kind of sad and then like from there on, it my career has been kind of shit again. So I didn't really get to <laughs> get to enjoy enjoy the good stuff while it lasted that long.
0: So from there, I mean, the, the organization said that you wanted to try something new for your career. Was that the case towards the end of this lineup?
1: Do you mean the JW?
0: Well, no. When you guys flipped back to, well, at least you got in Twist and Disco Doplin, uh and then got rid of uh, the ex-Fanatic players after this point I mean you guys tried, tried to go on for a bit longer from my memory I think you had a really I remember this game in the PGL Krakow Major against Immortals that was just like a horrific comeback from them yeah uh, that must have been pretty demoralizing was that part of the sort of nail in the coffin you, did, you still had the E-League Major uh, yeah
1: no no that that was like that team just didn't work out can't really explain why we had really high hopes even though JW and had left we had really high hopes all the time I remember hmm. we brought back twist brought back like but it was it just wasn't the same anymore sadly so it's kind of like one of i know i, I talked to Pronex about it as well it's like one of our biggest regrets in our careers it's actually doing this uh, project with flasha and jw and hmm. crims because it uh, turned out to be so bad because no one was really ready for this project mentally. Because all it took was kind of two failed tournaments, and people had already given up. But I also, like, I realized it's not, not that uncommon because they were coming from tournament tournament win from tournament win, you know, yeah. and then all of a sudden struggling. So I can't blame them either. But it's kind of it was kind of shitty for us because we built God sent to something really really great from nothing. Yeah, and we we gave that up because we believed so much in those three players. Uh, so it's kind of kind of a shit show and uh, in the end like it's one of our biggest regrets because who knows how uh, how far we would have come with like the, the first godsend iteration.
0: Yeah, you'd already come so far. Yeah. well Dennis was benched later on. Um, at about the same time as when you decided to get out and he said there was no structure discipline or team play at that point Was that the case? Oh,
1: yeah, I was kind of like everything a bit of everything there. Just I think everyone knew it wasn't working out I think me and twist were fighting a lot or twist was kind of against me so he was always pinpointing my mistakes and the, Like he made it too much and we also talked about it like him and me because we're really good friends still But it was like part of that. So he made me really uncomfortable. So I didn't really put in the hours anymore because I kind of like when you're in such a bad team environment, it gets really stressful and you somehow end up not playing as much as you should. So I wasn't playing up to my level. Uh, So it was kind of fair that I got kicked. But in the end, like nothing in that team worked out. It was kind (laughs) of going to tell a funny story about it because (laughs) we had like. Before the end, there we had to have like an open team meeting with our uh, like some one of the owners, and it was so funny because we had to say two people that we don't want to continue playing with. (laughs) So that's kind of weird in the in the start. Never been through that, and I don't think it's a good idea. But anyway,
0: sounds kind of dysfunctional.
1: Yeah. Anyway, we did it because I think the leaders they were expecting. Like this, kind of the same results, you know. Uh, people would vote for, for example, me and uh, Dennis, like that. Everyone would vote for me and Dennis, mm-hmm. but the case was kind of funny because I think everyone voted like one player and then a different player. So then, everyone wanted to kick everyone. So it was kind of funny. So even though me and uh, I got kicked, and Dennis also got banished or something. In the end, there were three guys left that also, all of them wanted to kick one of those guys that were left. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the weirdest moments in my career that I've ever seen. Everyone hated everyone. Yeah, kinda. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, so, it's kinda obvious that their next project would fail as well. I mm. mean, they were kinda decent, but it was overall not good. <laughs>
0: Well, the next, the next recorded team for you was Singularity. And I think you practiced with them for a couple of weeks, but only actually played with them officially for a few days. Yeah. Uh, you said you were put in some really supportive slash bitch positions.
1: Yeah. No, that, that, that team was so weird because my motivation was so high. I remember I was playing CS from the moment I woke up to the moment I fell asleep again, like when I was 20 years old again. Mm. And it was it was actually going good for us in practice, but uh, we were playing good and it was decent But in then it just was so weird because I remember Barbara was the one taking me in and he said like uh, I Need this from you. I need like full motivational like going motivational speaker and always being Motivated and pushing and stuff and if people know me, I'm not really I'm not a toxic guy at all I'm kind of positive and funny, but I'm also not the guy hyping people up that much, you know, Mm. So I was kind of going out of my comfort zone because I thought that was what they really desperately needed, you know, be having a guy that's like too positive. So I think I I wasn't like being my normal self. And I think some guy got stressed out because because I was always so, uh, I just uh, like wanted to improve too fast, you know. And then I guess uh, some guy felt that I wasn't a good fit, even though we were playing good. And like three days earlier, from the removal of me, they said, like, it's uh, this is a perfect fit or something. So it was just, it was just really weird to be honest. But uh, looking back, I guess I got removed because I was uh, like in too high spirit, even for m- me, because I'm re- really a shield
0: guy. It sounds like um, <clears throat> one of those dodgy answers at a job interview where they're like, what are your what are your faults did you say I'm too enthusiastic you know <laughs> I'm a perfectionist yeah but I mean I,
1: I think it came to a point where it didn't even feel like you know, good you know <laughs> yeah so it just got weird or something yeah, I don't really know why I got kicked but that's that's my guess at least because I wasn't performing bad it was probably just some communication
0: part now, then you were on Euronic for about four months this was a German team you guys had some sort of okay results or at least your performances seemed to be pretty good then were you excited to be a part of that
1: yeah, it was the uh, same there. Like I thought my career would be over before Singularity, before Euronics, because I wasn't getting any, any normal team offers. Uh, I don't know how much part that played with people thinking I'm a full cocaine addict. I think it did a lot for me through the years, like not getting some offers when I was at my peak. Or like close to it so i was really happy when i got to play with uronix didn't really have much expectations more than that i'm gonna give it my all so it was the same there i was playing cs from the from the start of the day till the end of the day all the time And i think we were kind of decent like it was nice but also like we didn't really get that far i guess but i feel like my individual level was really high uh, also there so unlucky i was playing some of the best counter strike again like i was building it up my own game and then, the end, I was playing really good, I remember uh, playing like individually really strong versus teams like Optic and stuff. And I felt like, okay, I can still keep going with the big boys. Uh, and then, my girlf- uh, girlfriend back then, she decided to break up with me. And uh, it's really weird uh, because I've been through a lot of breakups through my career and it's never been an issue. But somehow, this one messed me up so bad. I remember I, I had, like, uh, I don't really want to talk about stats because I don't look at it and you no one should. But I remember, like, I went from, like, always having, like, good games, like, kind of consistently, even though we were losing, uh, to, like, having, like, ten bad games in a row. Like, really, really shitty. And it really fucked over my year. Sorry for the uh, choice of words. But it was so weird because I couldn't focus. Like, it was, uh, basically, it was like this. I only had her and CS that was the two important things for me in my life and when she was gone I was I remember I was really sad like I was crying all the time because it meant a lot to me and we were living together every day for over a year Uh, so when she broke up uh, it was basically I said to myself I remember I said to myself okay now you only have CS so you gotta make the most out of this you know Uh, so It just got like a mental block for me because I kept telling myself that CS is all you got now. Okay. You got to do everything. And then I started like, I was blocking myself, so I couldn't even play CS because uh, it just got into some weird mindset and it took a while to get out of it, but I was playing really good at the end of uh, Euronics again, but still like it, it messed up like a one month and a half for me.
0: It's amazing that you would say you lose one of the things that's in your life. And instead of saying, I need more things in my life, you say, All right, I just have to focus on Counter Strike now.
1: Yeah. No, like CS is always like the biggest part of my life. So, mm. and uh, it's not like you want to find love when you just lose your, what you think is your big through love, you know? Were you close to your family? Yeah, I'm always close with my family. So they obviously mean a lot to me, but it's not, they, they weren't really, I know I'm not going to lose them or anything. So I don't really name them when I say, Stuff that mean a lot to me, but yes. obviously they do
0: what about close friends.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I mean I have friends, but I I, uh, I decided to leave the city that I was like doing now It sounds like I did drugs a lot, but I didn't but it was still drugs in that city because it was a small shitty city And people didn't have anything to do besides doing drugs kind of so I decided kind of early when I got caught doing drugs uh, That I wanted to leave the city to another city and focus on CS. So my parents were working in other city and then uh, I I just ended up changing city basically so I live like 15 minutes away from that bad town kind of but I still have like friends there and friends a bit every everywhere here and there in Sweden but I don't really hang out with people a
0: lot I just I just want to focus on CS even though it's not really going well let's just jump around a bit again here so how long did you have uh after euronics before pronex got in touch about ancient or did you get in touch with him how did this happen again the reforming of this team
1: uh basically so we had like some contact even in Euronix, like nothing snaky at all but we were just talking about godsend and uh, old memories and he said that in uh, in three months like i will try to maybe create something like ancient again or something it was basically just like that and then my contract was ending with Euronix and he wanted to play with me again. And I wanted to play with him. And we just
0: reached out to some Swedish talents, kind of, and that's how it all started. Do you do you think he gets a bad rap? Because he a, 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 any mention of Pronax uh, anywhere on the internet these days, he just gets shot on as a bad fragger or a beta. You think that's justified?
1: Uh, no, no, not justified at all. Like it's one of the. Best guys in esports that I've ever met. Like, you can fight with him, but uh, you'll be friends with him instantly after because all you need to do is talk to him, you know? And it's not a lot of those guys in esports that I know that are so easy to deal with, you know? Because uh, a lot of pros, I'm not going to name anyone out, have different problems, like um, mentally or like as a person. So, for an example, something that I had to come across with a lot is people with really high egos, like I was before. And if you start a fight with them, uh, they won't uh, they won't let it go. You know, even though you'll keep playing together, the next time something comes up, he'll remember that even though it was like two months ago. So, uh, and you don't really have to deal with that that much in regular life, but in CS, people are really weird. Because no offense to anyone, but most people haven't really been outside getting real friends and real connections. You know, it's only been CS, so they don't really know the part of like forgiving, learning, and letting go. You know. Uh, back to Pronax, uh, amazing guy. A really good leader. Uh, he's really good at bringing the most out of uh, like people. That's his biggest strength, I think. Like Even if he isn't fragging that much, much of it is because he's always jumping for someone and he's always taking the worst roles, kind of. So, uh, overall, I have nothing bad to say about him. Actually, only positive things. And mostly because he's so easy to talk to and like even if you start fighting with him, you know you'll get it solved because all you need to do is talk. And with other guys, if you even if you talk to them afterwards, they'll still have a, like some weird thought about you, but they won't say it, but you will feel it. And that's also
0: like really toxic. Well you're the we've had two results for Ancient recorded anyway, uh for the IEM Sydney qualifiers and then the loot bet series. How uh how do you think the team's been going thus far? uh well honestly not good uh i think we all expected to be
1: a lot better than we were or or like than we are today uh it's really weird because we have five good players i really think so but obviously something is not working out and even though we're doing good in like we can do really good in practice like beat the best teams we can obviously lose against them as well but uh when we come to play something that's important we it's like we've never played played cs before so it's really weird like some mental block, I guess. It means so much to everyone, and then when we actually have to fight for something, we end up failing really hard. So we don't know we don't know how to solve it either right now. But mm. we're working on it,
0: I guess. Uh, how how often are you working on it? Are you guys practicing every day? Yeah, we're we're
1: practicing every day. But uh, right now, uh, Robin and Kriyas they had like a vacation planned, so we can't really do much about it. So they're in Thailand until the fourth
0: of April now. Mm. Are you going to kick them while they're in Thailand? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, probably. No, I'm kidding. I don't know.
0: Um, well, I'm really conscious of your time. I know we've taken up uh, just over an hour now, but I just wanted to get to this tweet longer that you put out um, really briefly, if that's all right. It, just, it did strike me that <clears throat> considering the truth was, was different in terms of what happened with these drugs and what the community turned it into, or the story that came out of the community. Why did it take you this long? You put out this tweet in June last year. Why did it take you this long to address these rumors? Why didn't you clear it up publicly earlier, like in a statement like this?
1: I think, like, for me, it's kind of obvious. Uh, I don't think you for example now when that is up anyone can google me like if i get a normal job and they they're interested in me and they google me they're gonna find out i did drugs and like that would have cleared out in five years you know in sweden you only have like a criminal record or like a thing you did it goes out after five years unless you've been in jail so uh, i knew that if i was silent for five years no one would kind of any like have any proof at all but so i didn't That was like my first thing I didn't really want anyone to know and I didn't think that people were talking about it as much as as they did so I was kind of waiting it out but overall I really don't regret like speaking openly about it. I think it's only done like positive things for me because people were having so weird uh, like opinions about me. Because
0: of what they heard. Yeah, I think it's been a, re- a great thing. Uh, uh, I wish for your sake you'd done it a couple of years earlier when the rumors had started. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's easy to say, though. Like, of course, it, it was a
1: really big decision. Big, big decision. Like saying it in public. Hmm.
0: Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. One of the things you said <clears throat> was that you mentioned you had you were battling a disease. Is this a thyroid disease? yeah yeah correct
1: uh everyone in my family has it kinda like almost everyone 90 percent uh no one really told me (laughs) until it was like too late so i was like always feeling shit like people that have has it they know how bad it can get so i was like dealing with that don't really know why or like no one had told me about it so i was like for two years because i wasn't like tell your mom that i was feeling shit and blah blah blah. i was just assuming it was it was just a weird part i guess but uh, in the end i couldn't like sleep properly i couldn't like no matter what i did like i started working out a lot but i was still feeling shit like half of the days or like the whole day but like half of it you know like it was like a small hangover hangover like every
0: day you had a headache
1: no i was like it wasn't like it's kind of easy to explain, but at the same time not. You would say that when you're at your best, you're living a, or you're like living at 100 percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's when you feel normal, everything is fine, like body wise and stuff. But when you have this thyroid disease, it's like you're going at 60 percent. You know, so it's not like it will end your life. But also you want to be at 100% like you kind of everyone should be. So when you have a thyroid disease and you don't do anything for it, it's like going on low battery. Like you're still going, but something is wrong and you can't do much about it unless
0: you take medicine. And you're taking medicine now?
1: Yeah, I have to take it every day for the rest of my life now. And it really, it changed my life a lot. Uh, so I'm back to normal again
0: and your parents. Why didn't your parents tell you that they all had this disease?
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird that they didn't so I was like talking to my mother we have like deep contact So I was talking to her saying I, I don't really feel so good. Like no matter what I do. I eat I eat properly I work out a lot. I still feel like a zombie and she was like, oh uh, Me and dad we have like a thyroid disease and everyone your sister has it and your bigger brother has it and I'm like hello <laughs> so it's really weird and i was like why why can't anyone tell me so and they said like okay you probably have it too and then we went to the doctor and my uh, like uh, my values were like in the range of having it so so uh, i had to like buy medicine for it and it instantly changed my life i think it took like two days or something on the medicine and i was like back
0: to how a normal life should feel mm. um congratulations <laughs> yeah thanks <laughs> um one of the things that you said was that um in your statement you wish you'd been a guy who just prioritized yourself instead in some of these teams that you're playing in
1: i fully believe that as well to this day because i feel like i have a lot of skill that usually doesn't get used and it's basically been a lot why i always uh, gave my roles away is because i had these visa issues and i was so afraid that like I wanted to play no matter what and I was so afraid that uh, if I don't do this I will get removed to like from, for someone else so I was always giving up my spots if people wanted to play what I really wanted to play it was fine because in the end I was so happy to even play CS with all my issues you know so but like if I if I didn't have these VC issues and I could like keep my confidence going say no I want to play this this thing like it does a lot for a player when he gets the roles that he can excel at, and like the other way, you know. Hmm. So no one really knows, and I don't really know how far I would have come if I could just have
0: gotten my roles more often. Well, you you hit. It sounds like you hit rock bottom around about there. You said you were mostly unemployed for seven months. You owed money by a famous esports brand. You were looking at selling your car to afford rent, and you suggested that you were suicidal. Yeah. How did you pull yourself out of this?
1: Oh, yeah, that's kind of dark to talk about. It's kind of hard, like, because all these stressful events, they were going on for so long, so it was kind of, what do you say, inevitable that uh, I would start feeling kind of suicidal. But it was really weird. Uh, Like, all of a sudden, your mindset is kind of broken, like, no matter... How you try to turn the day around you always end up saying like it would be easier if you if you just uh, snapped out and kill yourself like it's uh, it's no good way to talk about it except in Swedish so it's gonna sound (laughs) harder than it is uh, to talk about but that's basically your mindset when you get to that part is always it's always in the end. You'll you'll be just just like okay. I've done everything in my power uh, somehow. I seem to be a guy that uh, Always end up on the on the worst end of the deal mm-hmm. So it would just be easier to uh, yeah kill yourself And there's basically been like that a few times, but uh, it usually comes and goes uh, When it gets like real dark like I can still have bad days, but I've realized that everyone has bad days you don't have to be suicidal to to like have a bad day, and I think that's uh, that's the most positive thing that I've, I've learned so far is that like everyone has bad days, so you just have to deal with them. Uh, the world doesn't end unless you want it to.
0: How did you learn this? How have you been dealing with it? <laughs>
1: well, oh, I don't even know honestly. <laughs> I wish I had an answer for people that are gonna listen to it, but I I really don't. Like it was basically just me saying, okay, like there are so many people that like has a worse time than me, even though I got uh, really the, the the bad side of the bargain or what, what do you say a lot of times uh, there are still people that won't even get the chances that i did or stuff like that
0: you you seem to be getting a lot of motivation from gymming and working out and making something of your body
1: yeah it's like really something i really like to do for the past two and a half years, uh, worked out a lot. People didn't see it because I was having so much fat on my body. <laughs> so uh, no, it's really, it was a nice game changer for me uh, working out since I was so active before I got into CS. I was really active all the time, but like more not by choice, like now that you have, I have to motivate myself to go to the gym. I was playing sports and it's kind of different because you just do it at that time because you're so young and you enjoy it. So you get the training from it as well while you're doing something that's fun while gym is kind of different like i'm not saying it's not fun but you have to motivate yourself in another way so it's been really nice doing
0: this and i really enjoy it i'm gonna jump back to your statement in a second i just wanted to take a step sideways for something a little less deep uh what do you think about like in terms of the pro scene now we've got teams like australis who are it's very it's kind of well publicized and I mentioned before how full on and holistic their approach to Counter-Strike is. When you look at teams like that now, I've heard you describe, you know, previous teams as just kind of kids running around. Do you feel like it's a world away from where you are or where you could get to? Are you watching pros right now with admiration? Are you what like you watching Star Series right now? How involved are you and how connected do you feel? to where CS is at right now.
1: I mean, I'm still really connected to it, and uh, people don't realize, like, Astralis, they're unbeatable, and they're working in, like, some ways that no other team is working. And I don't think no one actually knows exactly what they're doing. They just give some hints here and there how much, for example, they put on the the tactical side and stuff. You don't really know if they play a lot. Uh, I've heard a lot of different stuff, so it's kind of hard to steal their whole uh, game plan because no one really knows what they're doing but uh, they're obviously unbeatable but for me I don't really feel disconnected with them because I know most pro teams are still at the same mindset like any other team has been for the last five years like you get a salary you play you do your best but no one really knows
0: what doing your best is like that's how it is
1: except Astralis, I think.
0: Do you, you, are you still like comparing yourself to former teammates? Like, I mean, how how do you feel when you see someone like Olaf having having a sort of rise and fall or JW getting a lot of flack recently or Flusher bouncing between teams? Are you taking notice of this stuff? Are you comparing yourself to it?
1: No, not really. I've stopped. like that's the worst thing you can do is kind of comparing yourself to people. So I kind of stopped that at all. I do my thing. I let their they do their own thing like uh, someone is always going to get flamed doesn't matter if you're it's your ex-teammates or something you can't really think much about it like the only thing that i'm sad about is that i heard like that flash's mother passed away and those things are really rough and i re- admire him even more why he's one of the world's best players like imagine your mother passing away and you, he was still like at the major performing like uh completely insane so that's like full respect to him for that are you
0: still in touch with those guys
1: no not at all like i mean we played like some mix together a few like a week ago or something Mm. and beat optic but that was just all fun and games we don't really that's that's the sad part of like cs pro life is i would say that i think i'm a bit different because i've had a lot of close friends and like a party life and everything like i had a lot of girlfriends outside so i think i had an The most like one of the few that had like the most normal lives outside of CS with like relationships and everything Uh, and I must say like the saddest part with being a CSGO professional is all the all the relationships you build in a pro team it's it's never gonna feel like so real because when you end up having to make changes even though you you're so close when you're playing together you know everything about him kind of feels like you feel like brothers but then all of a sudden you have to replace someone or you get replaced, you usually end up never talking to any of them again, like maybe one or so from every team, you know. So that that's kind of the sad part of being a CS professional. So if you cherish that, I think you should go some other way because it can make you really depressed because you will never really have a real relationship. It's kind of rare, like you will have someone like I have pro and kind of like twists sometimes but overall I played in like 20 teams and I only have like three guys I can lean my back against, you know? Hmm.
0: Okay, so I'm going to jump back to this statement, the last thing you said in this statement that it really, it really kind of it really made me think uh, and maybe I'm overanalyzing this, you can tell me if I am. Because you, you say, I feel that I'm always pulling the short straw no matter how hard I try, no matter how nice I am. But then you went on to say, I've honestly been given a great hand, but I didn't play them correctly. So I guess you're talking about like a, you know, luck. So on one sense, I feel like you're saying you've been badly done by, you've had bad luck. And then in another sense, you've fucked up your opportunities. Pardon my language. Which is it? Are you confused about it? Are you still trying to work out how much no, responsibility no, that's, you that's bear?
1: really simple. It's like I got dealt a great hand. Uh, I got the chance to play for Fnatic, everything. Uh, everything that that's nice but I also fucked myself up because I was the one uh, cherishing real friendships and stuff so I was was out there I did drugs like that wouldn't that wouldn't have happened if I was more serious with what I was doing because I knew that taking drugs it's not legal so if you get caught you're fucked so that was my show so like it's pretty simple I got a good hand but I've messed it up myself
0: What does taking drugs have to do with cherishing real friendships
1: like yeah that's kind of misinterpretation. but like all I'm saying is that like I wasn't cherishing friendships when I was playing in Fnatic and before it because I was playing CS like 16 hours a day so it came to a point where like one Christmas uh, I didn't have anyone saying like Merry Christmas and Andy to you so that that, at that point, it really hurt me, and it was kind—I of think it was like at the same time as Fnatic or something—and it really hurt me because I was a guy with like a lot of close friends before CS. So I got back to like cherishing friendships, kinda. So I fought myself with, or like got in contact with some friends and some not so close and whatever. So that's kind of—it's kind of hard to explain—but at, at one point in my CS professional care, career, I had no real-life friends anymore. If
0: you get what I mean, I totally get what you mean. That's that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that you are. I mean, it sounds like a demon that you faced, right? Of realizing that you'd need people, you really do. Yeah,
1: but you don't really cherish it because you think they'll stay there forever, even if you don't talk. And like, that's not how uh, any friendly relationship works. Like, you have to keep them alive, kinda.
0: Hmm. How are you? Is that one way you're facing your demons now by constantly? connecting with friends and family
1: <laughs> yeah i mean uh, my family i hang out with a lot and then i have like the closest ones we play like world of warcraft together and stuff even if we don't hang out in real life anymore we still we still keep in contact somehow the ones i care the most about and i also realized like uh, you only need a few close ones you don't need like your 20 friends it really doesn't matter what do you want now for the next five years <laughs> five years that's kind of hard uh, uh oh that's rough. I just want to get going in CS, uh, see how far it goes. Uh, if it doesn't go any further, like if it keeps being like up and down like it's been, I'm probably going to give it up and study to like some IT thingy, because I really like computers still. Working with it would be nice. So we'll see. So if in five years I want to be happy. want to have a good girlfriend, good friends, uh, probably a nicer car. <laughs> That's kind of my goals. Uh just like my own goal like i only put it a year ahead so this year's goal is like either it goes with cs or it doesn't so then it's time to move on i really don't want to be that guy that stays until my 30s and play cs if it's not really going as good as it should be like you're getting a lot of money out of it then i can continue how then it doesn't matter like the age but if if i keep struggling i don't see myself being like 26 27 jumping from team to team not knowing uh, how long i will have this kind of salary and whatnot it's really stressful like being in that situation like when you don't really know what's coming next
0: well i wish you all the very best it's been a total honor speaking to you did you have any any last words you wanted to add or any other questions
1: no not really wish everyone a nice day
0: (laughs) so i did originally end this podcast with a Swedish track called Shoreline by a band called Broda Daniel. The band no longer exists, but it was a huge track back in 2003 in Sweden. It was so popular, in fact, that the town of Gothenburg erected a statue just to that one song. And I believe that song, uh, that statue was actually stolen by the township of Stockholm. <laughs> and then later recovered by Gothenburg. Um it was simply—it was not simply because this song was Swedish, but also because it had that flavour of despair that I think is 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 not unusual for young men in their late twenties. I'm not saying Schneider is in this particular mindset, um, but and but he did show signs of it. And I could be projecting because when I was sort of in my late twenties, I'd blown a lot of opportunities, or at least at the time, I'd chosen other alternatives. And only in hindsight did i realize i'd blown a lot of opportunities in my mind i've told myself that i've always uh made those sorts of decisions with integrity but as we get older and our priorities change it's very easy to think especially in your late 20s that those sorts of opportunities may never come again and so that song really typified beyond sort of sort of teenage angst that feeling of despair uh if you keep trying as I am an example of, those opportunities will definitely come again. And the great thing is you will be in a position to appreciate them and capitalize on them far much more. So instead of playing this track because um, iTunes actually, it appeared blocked this entire episode from appearing on the podcasts and the RSS feeds. Uh, I'm just going to urge you to go to YouTube and uh, download it. Or oh, sorry, have a listen to it, load it up. It's called Shoreline by Broder Daniel, B-R-O-D-E-R. And uh, yeah, it's a killer track. You can find Schneider on Twitter and Instagram at at Schneidsanity. That's Z-N-A-J-D-S-A-N-I-T-Y. I'm on Twitter at TheTruthCSGO. You can email me thetruth at thetruthcsgo.com. We'll hopefully be on the Discord for Dallas because I'm staying in one place for a couple of weeks. So jump on if you see a match happening and we'll have a chat. Till next time, enjoy the game.